Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Baton Rouge often gets an unfair rap for its lack of culture and its perceived status of living in the shadows of New Orleans. But there are lots of talented performing artists and artistic companies here in the Capital Region. Sometimes you just have to dig a little deeper to find them. Joining me today to discuss this is Jamie Ray, owner of Air Seekers Acrobatic Movement, a professional acrobatic company that focuses on Cirque style and physical theater performances. Jamie is herself a professional movement artist and instructor at the school. Her work is informed by her background in aerial dance, theater, and partner acrobatics. Jamie is a native of North Louisiana, and she moved around the country and learned how to be an acrobat and a movement artist before coming back here and sharing her talents and skills with the local community. Jamie, it's a pleasure to have you here on Out to Lunch. Hi, thanks, thanks for, for joining me. me. Also at the table with me and Jamie is Vastine Stabler, Managing Artistic Director of Swine Palace, a nonprofit professional company supporting the educational mission of the LSU Department of Theater. Since its founding in 1992, Swine Palace has produced more than 68 productions, including many regional and world premieres that have advanced the company's mission to produce plays of social relevance. Vastine has been in his current role at Swine Palace since 2018, though he previously was the theater's director of marketing and communication. He's directed more than 40 plays in his native Birmingham, Alabama. He also is a graduate of LSU, where he came for his Master's of Fine Arts. Vastine, it's a pleasure to have you here with us today. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear about Swine Palace. But Jamie, I want to hear about artistic movement as well, and silks and acrobatics. Tell me exactly what you do. Um, I like to say that I tell stories with my body. So <laughs> People could take that a lot of different they, they ways. They certainly so could, much. and they do. But um, I definitely like the idea of, t- of storytelling. Um, I'm, I've been in theater my entire life, so it sort of like fueled my fire to find different ways to play characters and, um, and just sort of create scenarios mm-hmm. um, and taking the... Uh, and taking the, the speech out of it is an extra challenge. Um, but I've always found movement so beautiful and, and dancers are so beautiful and I never was very graceful on the ground. Um, but whenever I was in the air, I felt sort of like I was and that the, um, the limits of the ground were no longer there. That is so interesting. So you're more graceful in the air than on the ground. Oh, absolutely. And so you use trapezes, rings, silks, what 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 do you move with in the air? Um, all of the above uh, and then some. We, we definitely sort of try to get creative in aerial arts uh, just to see what can be done. I've actually seen performers do uh, acts from uh, saran wrap, like really thick saran wrap. That's better like be broken. really yeah, thick. Yeah, better be thick. But um, so also on ropes, mm-hmm. um, canvas straps that are sometimes loops another human body that's hanging from something. So um, really anything that's suspended can be an apparatus and a, and a form 
of movement. And so your company is like a mini Cirque du Soleil? Oh, I would love to think of it that way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Without all the production money. <laughs> but also a school here yes. in Baton Rouge that teaches these arts mm-hmm. to students. Right, right. We do uh, acrobatic movement instruction sort of at all levels. Um, more now than ever, I am pouring into more of like um, a performance school. So I've, uh, I've stopped taking, you know, a lot of, I've stopped taking the daily, the weekly classes that are, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to this, that, the other. I kind of want to hone in on the artistry and the performance aspect. Of. Fantastic. Well, speaking of artistry and performance vesting, Swine Palace is one of the many hidden hidden gems, you know, on the Baton Rouge art scene and certainly on the LSU campus. And I know you all have a, a devout following, um, but exactly what is your relationship with LSU? Are you all part of LSU? You're, you're yeah, I related? would say now we are. It's kind of evolved over time. I mean, it was originally started with a group of citizens who are local citizens who are interested in it and then with uh, allegiance with uh, Gresson Doty and some of our other leaders in our department back in 1992 is when we started. So um, from the onset it was here. You, it started like in the Shaver Theater and so our board is kind of dedicated to it and the truth of the matter is we couldn't do our stuff that we do the way we do it without all of the facilities and the support and the incredible faculty and staff that that work there and of LSU of LSU so we're very tied to it and in the last um, decade we've really connected our master of fine arts acting program with them so it's an opportunity for those actors to work with um, different professionals around the country with great directors and professional actors from New York and from everywhere so yeah we're we're kind of tied at the hip these days. So I think people who only are paying a little bit of attention to the theater scene probably just think y'all are an arm of LSU, you know, or like maybe sort of a professional company of LSU. Well, in a way, we we have a unique... There, there's there are very few companies in the country who have this unique relationship where they are uh, resident theaters that are on um, university campuses and it's a very uh, it's, it's something that we use in recruiting a lot we get a lot of people from there because you can get your professional card by being there afterwards but we merge the best of two things we merge the best of LSU and uh, resource of all of the students there and all the talent we have there plus um, as I say, like, you know, we, we go to New York and cast actors out of New York. We've been doing really? that for the last show. Yeah, we fly out there. It's really interesting. I was talking to my, our students the other day. I said, you know, you really got to get get down with how well you do your self-tapes today. Because we our last show, we had to replace two actors because they got movie gigs or something like that before we started. So really, really cool. And so... They've got to learn how to audition online. Yeah. So that's what. How do you all differ from um, like little theater or community theater? Well, again, you, you, we, there's different types of, of, of theaters that are in the world, and we've got two two of many types. We've got an academic theater and a professional theater. So um, so our missions are different too, right? 
Um, a lot of, I worked in community theater for a decade. I, I love it. I love it, and I know it, um, Theater Baton Rouge, uh, they and Jenny and all of them are doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I've seen it I grown a whole bunch since 2000 when I was here in graduate school, and I was telling her that, that recently how impressed I was because she's a graduate of our MFA acting program, one of our proud ones. So, um, you know, a lot of community theater is driven by the people who are involved, right? The people who are doing the shows, the excitement of working at it, and who are still maintaining, you know, their jobs in, in, in life. Now, a lot of them have aspirations and certainly have the skills to be doing it on a professional level, but or maybe their parents said, hey, you know, you're not going to make enough <laughs> money being a professional actor and are doing it. So, um, it's just a different direction we can do it and see we have some financial resources by virtue we are that allow us to do um, some challenging productions at a financial level that say maybe other professional I mean community theaters have that opportunity to well we will I, I want to find out some more about that but I want to bring Jamie back into the conversation because you're talking about you know financial resources and I'm wondering what kind of what kind of money there is in in you know, silks and artistic performances especially in this market what kind of demand is there for this really unique um, service that you are providing as a performer and also as an instructor um, well for me personally as a performer um, just being in the in the city so long as one of the only performers that did it yeah. the demand was great you know I had enough to keep me busy and enough to keep my company afloat when I've coupled it with the instruction um, and I'm glad that you brought it up because now as we have more and more talent rising and more and more people ready for performance, the demand is not necessarily there. There's only so many parties that want an aerialist or, you know, weddings <laughs> that want an aerialist or an acrobatic duo. Um, so I'm moving more into creating my own events uh, where, we, where we feature these uh, amazing performers that have put all this work in and um, are ready to That's showcase. what I was going to ask you. I mean, do y'all actually put on shows that you would sell tickets to and rent theater space somewhere? Yes, we're actually, uh, I've been speaking with a couple of other studio owners and have recently um, sort of teamed up with Of Moving Colors. Oh, and uh, so I'm training their dancers later today. I've been training them for a while That'll now. They'll be so excited. And um, so we're kind of, I'm kind of trying to create this collaboration of movement artists in this city so that we can make money doing what we're doing so that it's not so hard to find a gig you know mm -hmm. um, gigs are not always plentiful and definitely in this town there's slow seasons and busy seasons and so instead of us all being in competition for what little bit we have I say why not just make something bigger and bring everyone to us you and know? do you work with Nick and uh, Nick Erickson is one of the first people I met whenever I came uh -huh. here and started practicing aerial and he invited me to a 40-hour um, workshop <laughs> at LSU and I almost died. So tell our <laughs> listeners and me who Nick Erickson is. What's he the is the, he's, he's, I don't know what his title is. He's over he's, at the he's physical theater. He's a professor, um, head of the, the physical theater discipline, but he's also the head of the MFA acting okay. um, yeah. program too. Incredibly nice guy. He's always welcomed me in with open arms. And it arms. seems like that would be a good synergy, right? Yeah, it's great. It's, it's great. And we have a lot of people in the community who do work with him and do use our our facilities too. No, it's been great. It's you know, I obviously our mission's you know is a lot of training and and working with undergraduates and then taking show places, but it is such an exciting thing that people are excited about. It. It's an incredible recruiting tool for us, for for things. It's interesting when we we are actors that we had in just New York, um, in one of them in particular wanted to do the silks class because they do it in New York, mm -hmm. and I didn't realize it become such a big 
so it has grown. become a big thing, right? Yeah. Like we were oh, talking absolutely. about before we started recording, right? Yeah, it's um, just in the time that I've been doing it, the market has blown up. Like it's um, just looking at like things like um, analytics on social media, the amount of hashtags that Ariel Silks used to have and now what it mm-hmm. has is like insane. And so, I mean, we referenced this at the beginning, but for anybody who doesn't know, silks are, I mean, literally they're long silk it's, drapes that you roll yourself up and hang right. from, right? They're two. Uh, they're called double panel, if okay. you're talking about that apparatus in particular, but fabric is the overarching term. So um, so silks is the most commonly referred to as the double panels of fabric that are not connected at the bottom, that you climb and create a series of knots, wraps, inverts, drops. That's everybody's wow. favorite. Um, and then there's other types of apparatuses that use fabric but aren't what we refer to and as And then silks. what do you suspend them from? What kind of apparatus, what kind of infrastructure do you need in your performing arts space to do this? Well, when we um, rig a structure, we have to have an engineer come in and we do uh, like a drop load test on it to make sure because, as you know, the human body is very fragile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so so we use, typically we'll have um, either a beam that we connect a, um, a span set over or all these terms probably don't make no, any sense. No, you're making perfectly uh, good carabiners sense. Carabiners and figure, and we'll loop the fabric through a figure, what's called a figure eight, and it's a yep. big metal piece that you loop it through. Um, and then it depends on the structure. Whether or not the structure is sound for us to rig from, then we go from there. If it's not, I have a steel A-frame that okay. you can set up and take down that travels with me to festivals and things like that. And you're confident this, right? You've never had a problem with no, yourself or one of your performers? No, no, never, never. Do you actually employ performers? You have a little company I in do, your work? I do, yeah. Um, and I've been, it's been growing, and uh, I've been really excited to see its growth over the past five years. How many do y'all have? Um, we did a show last year, and it was my biggest one, and I had 12 people, so it's not big yet, but no, we're getting there. And then impressive. I've added all of, like I said, these dancers um, from OMC in there, and they're so eager and they're so strong. Yeah. So um, I think that's going to be a big boom in what I'm doing right now. Fantastic. I'm really excited about it. And, and how many um, how many, how many staffers do y'all employ, Vastine? And I guess your actors come well, and go, depending yeah, on Yeah, I that. mean, it all depends. The, 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 fact, the staff of Swine Palace is one, and you're looking at it. <laughs> but um, we, but there are a lot of people who spend 40 hours a week working on it, but it's, they're coming through LSU. Though I don't know why I'm listening to that, because since LSU pays me too. So it's, again, that whole kind of weird world. But, you know, our faculty, all our designers will work on shows, and we have, I don't know, we've got eight or nine that are work on that end of, of the theater, and we have, you know, usually about uh, 10 uh, undergraduates who, I mean, graduate students who are in the MFA program who are working for us, uh, or working for me right mm-hmm. now, back at the office. And sometimes, the, and then, and then theater students can try out for some of your productions. Yes, they do. That, it's interesting. And sometimes they year. make it in, sometimes they don't. Yeah, usually the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tiered. You know, I mean, you, you know, the MFAs get the first shots. We have certain roles that we're always going to have professionals in, and then that there are certain roles that undergraduates would work in too. But we have the main stage theater, which is the other shows, which is who's doing uh, *Midsummer Night's Dream*, and that's you know kind of the the land of the undergraduate uh, higher, you know, side uh, productions. So um, there's they have multiple opportunities, and you know we have a film program that's growing by leaps and bounds right now too. Our students are, have non-stop work to do. And I've got seven of them working for me today in the office and who knows what's going to happen when I get back to and, and they're so eager and they're so talented, you know, and yes. then and then where do they 
Where do they go? I mean, it's so hard to make a living it's in the performing very, arts. very, very hard. And, um, you know, especially here, though, you know, we are getting a lot of students with the, the, the film and television presence in, in Louisiana who are getting work a fair amount here, too. But, you know, Georgia's taken so many of those jobs over the last five or six years. But um, then we have a lot of people in New York and L.A. and some in Chicago. I'll tell you what we have lots of, too. We have a lot of uh, teachers in this state, talented teachers program, um, you know, teaching. the. There are a lot of drama programs in the state. Mm -hmm. I'm really surprised. Being from Alabama, the, the big schools had it, but they didn't have necessarily as much dedicated staff to it. But they, you know, we there's schools in Baton Rouge that have two, three teachers in, in their theater programs. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking with Jamie Ray of Air Seekers Acrobatic Movement and Vastine Stabler of Swine Palace. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Vastine Stabler of Swine Palace and Jamie Ray of Air Seekers Acrobatic Movement. Jamie, tell us a little bit about your school. How many students do you have and where where is your studio? So um, I have about, overall I have about, let's say about 50 students. I don't have a head count right now, but that's, between that's partner acrobatics, number. hand balancing, and then the aerial silk stuff that I do, I would say. Um, private classes or group classes? or how group does it classes work? and privates. Okay. Um, so I teach at Uptown Climbing, where mm -hmm. I've been with those guys since, well, they, well, since Uptown was just an idea before we started building. So I was lucky enough to get to have the structure reinforced to support acrobatic and aerial movement while it was being built. So get to do that. And um, so I'll do like a beginner sling class and then partner acrobatics classes. And then we move into, I have a home studio um, in my home that I do my intermediate classes um, so that the, the students can dress up because it's a big Part of what I do is all performance. It's all geared towards performance, so they like the privacy of my home studio, so they can wear their leotards and things like that. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I teach out of uptown predominantly, but I do offer private classes at my home as well. How much does it cost to take a class? It depends on a lot of things. There's sort of an equation in place where it's like, what's the what's the difficulty level of what you want to learn, um, and then also like things like um, what apparatus are you wanting to be on, or what you know mm -hmm. if, it's, if it requires me to change out the apparatus every time or if you just want to learn hand balancing, that's right there on the floor. If you just want to do conditioning. So kind of between 50 and 90 an hour for my privates. It's not bad. Mm -mm, no, it's not. And I would imagine most of them are fairly young women. Um, women are, part. yes, my predominant demographic. But I do have a, a good number of men who practice partner acrobatics. So, you know, they want to base and, and then some of them even want to fly. And I love when that happens. I always think that's just, it's a joy <laughs> for me to watch two large men throwing each other around. I'm just like, there's something about it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. That's great. Okay, Vestine, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the mission of Swine Palace. Because I know that, um, I mean, they produce local, a lot of times yes. local or regional Place yes. and, and, and sometimes a little bit edgy. I mean, sometimes sort of yeah, pushing. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, that you might not be able to see somewhere else in this market. How does that How does that work for you? Well, it's it's great because we do have a mission to um, have a, a, a social statement and social exploration of the issues that we are discussing today. And I know, like in the first show we did this year, we did a show called Glory and. In that show, it uh, deals with gun violence and kind of a strain aspect of it in the sense that 
no, I can say this now that the play's over. There's there's an <laughs> office shooting in it, where yeah. uh, mass shooting oh. that happens at intermission, and then what, the play all of a sudden becomes about how people respond to these things. Right. So so you're thinking it's all about workplace violence, which it is, but all of a sudden it comes about kind of the selfishness that people have after these sort of situations, people selling their stories and all this stuff. It's very interesting, dangerous kind of play to do, you know. Um, and then we just did a play, I can't even, it's so complicated to explain in a short time. I spent a lot of time promoting it and I still haven't figured out a couple of good <laughs> lines to do it, but it's kind of a time traveling exploration of oil and the yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah. I read about it. Uh, the, and the exploration of the relationship between a mother and daughter, and somehow that, that works together. And, and the scripts, I mean, are these plays that have been shown somewhere else, or they're making their premiere? Well, are they local writers? It's, it's, it's interesting. We, we, we're just, um, we just uh, selected our season for next year, uh, which we hadn't even announced yet. Um, but uh, So, for instance, one of the plays we're going to do um, is a show called Airness. And this was written by an LSU graduate. Um, and so it's very exciting. But it's a play about the really true light world of air guitar championships. <laughs> and it follows that. But it's, it's, it's a weird kind of light topic that all has a deep kind of exploration into other things. And it's very funny and it's fun. But it's, it's you know, so... We do that, but then also we're doing a, a, an original version of this play. It's been done as a one-person show of a show about the uh, Title IX um, and, and the person who is in charge, who's the person who sued to make um, that uh, that happen. And because it's the, oh God, I got to remember what the the anniversary it is coming up of the um, what's the Nineteenth Amendment. It's right. coming up. And so the whole season we're doing next year are going to be written by women and directed by women because we're going to be celebrating um, that. So, uh, yeah, every every show I have uh, next year, all four between the main stage and, and Swine Palace, all are, have serious social issues, but hopefully are very entertaining too because, you know, we, we don't want audiences. No. But we want them to be challenged. We want them to be pulled deeply into it. You know, you know, this type of shows you go in that you're really pulled into. Absolutely. Because, of, because you know, that's one of the unique things theater do. People ask me, what's, what's the difference between theater and film and television? I said, well, they all have different missions. And you respond to all of them in different ways. And there is this community shared experience that you can have in theater that you don't have in other things. It's really strange. If, if you do a theater show, sometimes it has too much action. It just tires you out. But if you do a, a movie that has as much talking as a play has, that tires you out as well. But you can have that conversation with audience back and forth. Interesting, yeah. You can have a long monologue and be wrapped the whole time. Very, but, very interesting. So. Jamie, I bet you get very worn out flying through the air at performances. Do you script your performances do you choreograph them or do. do you all collaborate or you this is another element of what you do is um up until now I have yes written and choreographed all of the shows that we've put on um but I also really love to challenge my performers to add their own sort of 
personality to things. Um, and and I like I said, I'm at a point now with a lot of my performers that have been my students for the past few years have gotten to a point where they can really think for themselves and I don't have to do it at all anymore. I can just sort of let them fly. And that's probably the best part of it is just watching them do their own thing. So, But when someone calls you to perform at a party or you mentioned a wedding, I mean... Yeah. Um, You'll make up the routine and mm-hmm. you'll oh, yeah. assign the, the performer or two or three or maybe do it yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so sort of examples of, of with a wedding, it's it's typically they just want something, you know, pretty. It's not, you know what I mean? They and don't like want at you the to reception, come in and, twirling um, around in the corner on silks? Yeah, so what we, we'll offer like ambient. So that's kind of like what's happening alongside everything else. So people can be eating or talking <laughs> or whatever. And then there's another side of it that's, you know, a spotlighted performance gotcha. where you're asked to like please have a seat and watch this aerialist. So um, so it, it goes both ways, but anytime I'm asked to tell a story, I'm gung-ho to do it. So, so you have portable rigs? Yes, absolutely. And um, I've even gotten to perform in some really interesting places. I did a wedding off of the Tree of Life in Audubon Park. Nice. Which was probably like the coolest thing. Now they tell you don't perform off of trees. So it's sort of like frowned <laughs> upon, but I was new and I didn't know that and we had permission. So I was, okay, so we did it. Is insurance, I mean, do you have to have some sort of extreme liability oh, insurance? insurance. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah. price that gets passed along to the customers? I mean, I guess you'd have to factor that into your price because sure. it's probably not cheap to hire an aerialist. No, not cheap. And you have to factor in, it's not just the, you know, the five minutes that we're in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, it's the training that we do, the diet that we have to be on, the, you know, all of the things that go into the years of experience that get you that five minutes of entertainment. So, um, yeah, and the insurance is definitely not inexpensive. So. Right. And and um, is there any sort of certification you need to train people in this? Like you would if, I suppose, if you were a gymnast, you know, professionally? Um, it, in Seriously, in most movement arts, you don't need, like, you don't need a certification to become a dance teacher. Most dance teachers just start teaching after years of Dance, and um, it's the same way with circus. A lot of people don't have, you know, certifications. I did go complete one, but it's not necessary. Um, I also completed one for training for partner acrobatics. Um, I work with a company called Acro Revolution, and um, they're they're amazing. They put on these huge conventions all over the world, and I get to go teach at them, and um, it's it's a lot of fun to be a teacher. And in those scenarios, they do want you to have certifications, but just to teach out of your home or out of you know a like at my gym, they wanted a certification, but a lot of them don't have them. There's, you know, there's really no. That's interesting. Right. It's, it's the wild, really wild inter- west. Yeah. You yeah. know. Wow. Uh, Vastine, we were talking about your plays, and I'm I'm just wondering, does does it work to your favor in terms of like raising money to offer this sort of cutting edge stuff that you're not going to see anywhere else, or does it sometimes make it harder because people in Baton Rouge aren't? They're, yeah. They're conservative. You know, you know, we've been around for, you know what, 28 years, something Mm -hmm. like that right now. And so I think a lot of people who are the ones who fund and support us are the ones who already know what we're about. They know who you are. I mean, you know, theater in general, I I used to tell people, I said, you know, when you're trying to get an audience out of theater, and this shows how old I was, I used to say, um, unless you're doing Cats, now I'll say, unless you're doing Wicked, (laughs) or unless you're doing Hamilton. um, There you go. You know, you're not going to um, have more than 10% of the, the population who is really interested in going mm-hmm. to see that play. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the big challenges for us as a business is how do we find those 10 within a pool of... That's uh, small to begin with, And right? so, yeah, and one reason we love to sponsor, you know, WRKF is because they're, they're very much, um, 
most of our audience members are listeners. That's great. To, That's to great. your station. Yeah. And so we've always liked to be connected with you all in one way or another because they're very... But it's weird because I used to do um, this new Southern New Play Festival in Alabama for years. And a lot of times what we did to bring in the audience is we bring in a playwright. Mm-hmm. Um, like Louisiana native Rebecca Wells who did... Um, uh, Yaya Sisterhood and so we bring it in because it bring in a new audience but then we found I assumed that you know all book readers were theater goers but they're not you know it's it's, it's a lot of mar but you, so it so we find that core audience the people that that like us and then we promote it and they're used to us doing that and that's your your niche following well we have very limited time but y'all tell me real quick what's your what's your next three years look like what is your goal for for you, Jamie? Um, just expanding the performance community even further and giving more and more opportunities for these artists to come and showcase their talents um, and sort of becoming, letting Baton Rouge become the hub of movement that I feel like it can be. Fantastic. Vestine for Swine Palace? Well, I think it's it's a lot weird making a huge emphasis this summer on subscription gross and that sort of effort to rebuild that core audience again and to bring people who don't know that they love us yet until they get here. Get the word out. Well, Vestine Stabler and Jamie Ray, y'all are both contributing so much to the arts and culture of Baton Rouge. And, you know, a city really isn't a community unless it has a vibrant performing arts scene. So thank you so much for what y'all are doing and and for joining me today on Out to Lunch. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Jamie Ray of Air Seekers Acrobatic Movement and Vastine Stabler of Swine Palace. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from the show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. Our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. Today's show was engineered by Colin Peden. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 